0: Over the years, we've had the chance to pray with several of our politicians. We've had the chance to pray with our alderman during a service, a Wednesday night service several years ago. We have a chance to pray with uh, our state senator last year. Some of you may remember that. We have somebody here who was voted into office. Part of our family, part of Grace Christian Fellowship, one of us trustee, Mark Holdman. Very cool. It is very cool. And you know, he, uh, I believe firmly, I don't know if you know Mark well or not, but Mark is the kind of man to take it very, very seriously. I believe he's going to be an excellent representative of the Lord and the word in the Lord. I think he's going to be a great representative of us. And uh, it just seems appropriate that we should pray for him too, doesn't it? Yes. So if we could have Mark come up with the elders, join us. Come on up, elders. Elders know this is going on. Mark doesn't know this is happening, by the way. It <laughs> 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 works. This is exciting, Mark. This is really exciting, and I'm, I'm glad you wore decent clothes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> First, you, Lord. Lord God, we celebrate this this uh, this this chance with Mark. We are very grateful for, for the opportunity to pray for him as he steps into this kind of this political world. God, we are so excited to see what you're going to do through him. And there's going to be a lot of newness, Lord. We know that this is a new experience for Mark and and how to maneuver and how to work uh, in this new position. He'll be learning in that. So we pray for good learning, quick learning, quick understanding and comprehension, quick memory, Lord, for him to remember one lesson after another. But then, God, we pray for an effectiveness for him. And really, an effectiveness in representing you, representing your word, and just being a righteous stake in the ground in Butler. Bless him, Lord God. We're excited for him. Again, we celebrate with him. We celebrate this work that's going on in his life, Lord. In Jesus' name. Wait a sec, Mark. So, we, we, uh, we, have to, we have to give you a manual. So, we've had the chance to present other folks with a Bible. So this is a Bible. Mark Holdman, trustee. So you got a lot of pressure, man. (laughs) That's exciting. So Mark wanted me to tell you all before that he does take bribes. So if you want to get something done in Butler, I'm just kidding, he does not. For the sake of recording, Mark never said that, and I'll testify that in court. Well, that's exciting, isn't it? There was never a plan uh, as an elders group to say, hey, we need to get somebody voted into office. That's not how we operate here. Republican, Democrat, Socialist, Communist, Green Party, Libertarian, we don't care. We just want to follow the Lord and the precepts and the word of God. But Mark, had a, he had kind of an interest to do this. An, an inkling is something he wanted to do, and we're excited to pray for him and support him in this. It's very cool. Now, Community. We've been talking about community for a while here over the last last couple weeks, right? And we know from the Word that there are two communities in the Bible. There's one, the community of believers, and then there's also the greater community around us. So we've mostly been focusing on the community of believers and what the community of believers means. But today, I'd like to look at it really as how we here at Grace Christian Fellowship, this community of believers, connects to the greater community Milwaukee. Okay? We're going to go straight into the word and take a look at Paul's experience. And this is a a well-known passage of Scripture, but I think it's very, very appropriate with how Grace Christian Fellowship looks at our greater community. Go ahead, Brad. This is in 1 Corinthians. Even though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Let's count these. That I might win. That I might win. This is why. That I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew. In order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law. That I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but being under the law of Christ. The law of Christ. Loving. Loving your neighbor. That I might win those outside the law. We're at four wins now. Go ahead, Brett. To the weak I became weak. That I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people. That my... All means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in blessings. We have five wins, one share, and one save. Seven times Paul's making this point. Seven times in this passage, I'm going all out there in the world because I want to see people get to know the Lord. All kinds of people, all this range of people. He really jams it in here. This is kind of a marching example for us. It's not necessarily a full order for us. This is Paul relating his experiences, but it's an example for us. If you're going to do something, if we're going to do something, I think it's really evident that we need to do it in a way that represents that we can win others to the Lord, that we can save some, that we can partake with them. Would you agree? Is there anybody who thinks that we do not have that directive, that it is not important for us to share the gospel? All right, so we're unanimous. That's very good. Paul makes it clear. We believe it. We believe we need to get out there and save souls. Or not us, save them, but introduce them to the Lord. So how do we do it? You know, it's kind of funny. I talked about this here. I remember in the 70s being a kid, and we would have these Jesus marches. We'd all get our signs. We'd march down the road. There would be a pickup truck uh, leading the column of people, there would be several hundred people, and the pickup truck in the back of it would have a band. They'd put a drum set there, and they had guitars, and there was a trumpet player, I remember, and they would all jam in this pickup truck, and they would play worship songs, and we would sing the worship songs when we were marching. We'd have our signs, and we'd do this, and there'd be people with tracks, and they would be on the edge of the, the column that we were on, and they'd run to people in the streets and just hand out tracks. I did this in, in America, I've done this in Mexico, and it was very, very effective. If we did this now, probably it wouldn't be quite as effective. Probably they would wonder where we came from. But then it was extremely effective. We used to do different things back then. You, you, people were much more receptive. You would see more people, uh, more believers on the street with their milk boxes, and they would bring a milk crate, and they'd put it down on the ground, and they would stand in the street, and they would just start to preach. Now, if we see that, they seem a little bit odd sometimes. But then it was more effective. Now, I'm still thankful for the people that do it today, but I'm trying to make this illustration that times have changed somewhat. The ways that we used to share the message 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, are very different than the ways we share the message today. Now, as Grace Christian Fellowship, we know we've got to get the message out there, and we want to be a little bit creative on how we do it. We can't do it the way we used to always do it, we've got to be different. Churches. I remember we first had a Saturday night service here in the late 90s. And I remember we were talking about it at an elders meeting. And uh, the guys at the elders meeting said, the yeah, other elders uh, asked uh, Pastor Mike and I, he said, what are people going to wear? And we said, whatever they want to wear. Well, what does that mean, whatever they want to wear? We said, whatever they want to wear. They can wear shorts. They can wear jeans. They can wear T-shirts. We can care less. They can come in flip-flops. And the other elders went like this. All right, give it a shot. It was a big step. By the way, this is a tangent, but I want to share this. Pastor Frank had a uh, surgery this week on his spine. He had a herniated disc and several other problems. And it's pray for his recovery. It's a slow, tedious recovery. So keep him in mind and please pray for his recovery. But it was a crazy concept just 20 years ago to think like, boy, what do you mean? People are going to wear shorts to church? Are you kidding me? Are we ready for that sort of thing? So over the years, the message has stayed the same, but the packaging has been different. And we know as a church, we've got a clear mandate to get out there and always find ways to share that permanent message with where people are at and whatever they're doing. If you've been around Grace for a while, you've heard this. You've heard this type of thing before and you go, oh, that's not really new. But remember, this is a critical, critical, critical descriptor to why we do some of the things that we do. Jim, why do we do this in the city? Because of this verse. This verse. Anything we do in the city, it's got to come back to the gospel. No matter what it is. Some places, they just do things all over the city. There are some community centers or some churches that are involved in everything. But when they're out in the streets, nobody knows it's for the gospel. They're doing, they're working so hard to do good, but nobody knows what it's for. We've got something really special with the Lord. Not just our afterlife, but we have them right here. We got a good thing going, so we share it right now. All right, so we won't spend a lot of time in this today, but I'm going to walk through their four guidelines that's a, that are part of this passage we read on how we choose who we choose and what we do. Go ahead, Brett. Here's our parameters as a church. This is what we do as a local community of believers. Take advantage of the opportunity to share about the Lord. I just went over that. This is it. This is the end all, be all. Because when we're all old and we're ready to go the way of the Lord, and our grandchildren, or our great-grandchildren, or whoever comes down after us, the young ones here, they're going to have this same mandate. It's about sharing the message of the Lord. Now, how they do it may be radically different, but same mandate as us today. To help those who cannot be helped. James 1.27, we went over this verse last week. People who can't do things for themselves. Widows, orphans, in times of need. People who can't do things for themselves. This is very important to us here. We want to help people that need the help. Amen? Nobody wants to help somebody that doesn't need help. That's no fun. We want to really be working with people that need help, and there's all kinds of ways we do it. Now, we've got uh, St. A's we partner with. Do you know we average one event at St. A's last, in 2016, we did one event almost every other month, more than I think anybody knows. We did it at Pinewood Derby at St. A's. That was great, but that's not the only event we did at St. A's. One event every other month. Now, our, remember our mandate, how do we share the gospel with that? How do we let them know that Jesus is very real and he very much wants to do something in their life? How do we let them know that? That's our challenge. We found the most effectiveness is working with the staff. We're blessing and involved with the children at St. A's, but we have much better conversations with the staff. Amen, Judy? Yes. So we want to work with the orphans, orphans in that case or children who have had very difficult times. We're, last year, in 2016, we also worked with the rescue mission. Joy House is an arm of rescue mission. We've connected with them on average of once a quarter in 2016. So we got St. A's every other month. Rescue or Joy House, the rescue mission as a whole, I'll say, once a quarter. This is a lot of outreach. What are we trying to do? Share the gospel. Now, the nice thing about the rescue mission is very much a believer's organization All we have to do is support them, and they're out there in the streets doing it. So that's kind of easy for us. We like these two organizations. We look for more organizations. Now, there's there's many, many organizations in Milwaukee that we could partner with. These are two we've come alongside. But really, the mandate is we want to work with those who need help. Those who can't do for themselves, or they need more help for themselves. I lost my place of my notes the third one there's no call in the Bible for us to help lazy or those who could do for themselves and it's a good distinguishing trait here if somebody can do for themselves we don't need to spend a lot of time helping them and if they can't do for themselves then we can help them let me give you some examples of this if there's a capable person that's had opportunities at jobs, but they don't want to take the jobs, but they want to come and ask us for money, we don't want to help them. I don't believe anybody in here is rich. At least if you are, I don't know about it. I think we're a pretty <laughs> modest or a humble, uh, humble means congregation. We are blessed. We have what we need. But we all work for our money. Amen? Is there anybody that doesn't work for the money? Anybody independently wealthy that we should pass your phone number around? <laughs> no? We work for our money. Some make more, some make less, but we work. Sometimes we lose jobs. I was laid off once. It's a horrible experience to be laid off. And I remember I was taking two classes in college, and I went to unemployment, and this was a long time ago, and I went to unemployment to get my money, and unemployment said, oh, we can't give you any money. We have a rule if you're taking two classes or more. You don't qualify for unemployment. That was uncomfortable. Isn't that a crazy rule? I lost. My, I got laid off. The housing market took a turn. Laid off a bunch of us in the, this particular area. I needed help. Sometimes that happens, but when somebody is lazy and somebody doesn't want to work and somebody doesn't get around to working and somebody, we don't want to help them. We regularly here get panhandlers. And I want to speak to this for a minute. We get people that show up and they'll ask us for money. Now, I've noticed over the years... There's been a, a, a shifting in trends. Judy and I have talked about this a little bit. My dad and I have talked about this. And I've made my own observations. And I think we're all generally in agreement. I want to tell you, the panhandlers, there are some with real need. And then there are some that don't need. They can do for themselves. We had, even here on a Sunday morning, maybe a month ago or six weeks ago, we had a, a lady show up and she was asking for money. I had stopped her right away and I said, don't ask for money here. And I laughed and she was asking for money when I wasn't around. And her story was absolute fabrication. I thought, you know what, maybe if she can stick around and talk to believers, it just might be a good experience. But her story, there was no way that story was true. And she was asking for money like it was going out of style. Of course, I wasn't there. It was an awkward experience. So we went back. and did a lot of research on this, as much as I know to do anyway. It really did a lot of considering. And we noticed that most panhandling requests are now occurring on Sundays. Isn't that odd? We're here all the time. Judy's here five days a week, six days a week with Sundays. I'm here on Saturdays. There's always somebody here. But they're asking more on Sundays. The stories are interesting. Some of them are real and they really need help, but a lot of them are just very creative lives. I'll give you an example. We had somebody from the I had somebody from the gas station. I'll speak to one of my experience. Somebody from the gas station came over and said, Ah, you know, uh, I I see this church is open. It's always when we're open. And I see the church is open, and and I just got to tell you, I I filled my car full of gas. I'm a deacon at this church down the road. I forgot my wallet at home. Can you give me $10 so I can pay for my gas? Well, do you want to call somebody? Oh, I can't call anybody because I don't know their numbers. Okay, uh, did you think about, do you know your church's name? You can call it from here. Oh, no, they don't have a phone right now. Okay, A year later, the same guy came back with the exact same story. I said, you told me that story last year. Oh, and then he just left. (laughs) One time a man told me a story. It was so creative. It was so ridiculous. And I I would say, your story is a lie. This is not true at all. I don't believe anything you're saying. But I'm going to give you $2 for creativity and ingenuity. (laughs) But never tell this story again because it sounds stupid. <laughs> so we there are people on that side who will take advantage of us. Um, we had a lady last, uh, last fall. Some of you may remember her. She was in here before service. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. So here's what we're going to do with panhandlers, okay? I'll, I'll mention this and then we'll move on from this point. If somebody comes in on a sunny morning and they ask you for money, I'm going to ask that you don't give them any money. Don't do it. Not a dollar. Not a quarter. Please do not give them money. Other people around can't give money. Don't put other people in that place. If we all shut them down united, we're really on to something. Now, if they need money, we're going to tell them to come back during the week and meet with us during business hours. That's a good idea, isn't it? Meet with us during business hours. We will talk about that sort of thing then. We take 12% of all the money that we bring in, and we set that aside for outreach. We tithe here. Our church tithes. We take 12%. So we have that set aside. We can help people. Send them back during business hours. No money out of pocket. So you're already contributing with tithes and offering. Sound good? What we'll do is we'll meet with them, find out more where they're at. In the meantime, if they need food... We may be able to give them food. But it's funny, I haven't had anybody come in off the streets who really wanted food. They say they want food. This happened to me. Uh, This happened several times, actually, in the last year. Somebody will come and say, excuse me, I need some food. And I'll say, hey, I can help you with food. Good news, we have a food pantry. And they say, no, 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 I mean, I I need money. I said, well, we can't give you food, no money. No, 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 I meant to say money. You with me? Sounds like a scam at that point to me. We can give food. We are set with food here. We have wonderful food pantry coordinators. We can give food, but it's amazing how many people don't want food; they want money. So send it back during business hours. Um, a lot of times, people come in and they'll say, "I don't know who to call for help." Uh, we have a document now. It's our need help document, and it is two pages, three pages, of all kinds of resource centers. If you need shelter, if you're battered and abused, child care, veterans, seniors, food, rent assistance, health care, heating and utility bills, all of it, all of it. Sometimes the scammers will come in and we will say, we have another no- phone number for you, and they're, they're not interested in that because they want money. People who really need help would love this document. They want to know where to go for help. So we can give them this, we can give them food, and we can have them come back during the week. Don't you think that's a good plan? So let's do that. If we ever have people who uh, are asking for money, we're going to ignore them. Not as a human being, but we're not going to give them money. Please do not give them money. We've got a good plan. Let's try it out. We'll make sure they have food, make sure they have a resource list, and we can talk to them the very next day on Monday. Okay, so that's our panhandling policy. Uh, Sometimes people will come and they'll say, hey, I need some help with my credit card debt. I bet that you do. We don't help with that either. We're willing to be committed for the long haul. This is us at Grace. We are willing to be committed for the long haul. Our efforts take time. You know, there's that passage, Matthew 13, 33, and that's really speaking to the yeast in the bread. You know, a little bit of yeast goes a long way. When we share the message, we just let it bake. We just give it some time. It takes time, so we're committed to that. We know it's saying A's. We're, we've been committed for some time. We know the schools, are some elementary schools that we've worked with. We've developed a time relationship. Is that true back there, Andy? We are not in a rush for these things. We want the gospel to take us, take root and, and grow, bit by bit by bit by bit. We don't have to rush it, and we're okay with that. Our politicians. You know, it's funny. We pray for our politicians. We, we, we pray for contacts with them. You know, you only get one contact a year, one contact every nine months. It takes time. So we just, we go with it. We let it roll. Uh, about a week and a half ago, we got a phone call from our alderman. He said, boy, you know, we'd love to use your building for a town hall. We would love you to use our building for a town hall. So on May 11th, for anybody who lives in this district, this building will be used for a town hall. You think, well, where's the gospel in that? There's two places. First, I love that he thought to call us, don't you? And it, there's seeds. We've had dialogue. We've talked about how our committed our commitment to the community and our commitment to the community in the name of the Lord. I've said that very, very candidly. We care. We want to be invested and in behind you because of the, what the Word of God says, and we want to share that Word of God with people. There's no secret to that. But also, also and I haven't worked this out yet, I would very much like to be able to open the town hall and say welcome to Grace Christian Fellowship and invite them to church. Wouldn't that be cool? So May 11th, we're going to have strangers coming in our building. They can take a look at our literature. They can come. I would just love to meet them. my, My plan is to just go meet people and say hello and welcome them and get the chance to talk to them about the Lord. Bit by bit. I bid. Our pantry is an example of the, of the long-term. We do have a pantry. Remember, we help people who need help. That's a long-term commitment. You know, when we help with the pantry, we've had people coming for years. Some of the, some of the testimonies of the pantry just kind of get lost. They never make it here. I'll tell you, one of them recently, there was somebody who was very, very sick in the hospital in their deathbed. And their loved ones knew that Judy, through the pantry, had ministered to this person in a hospital. So they called Judy. Judy went and prayed with him. You know, there's they, there's so much that happens in the pantry from dialogue and relationships, but it's, it's a long-term mindset, long-term. How do we give it some time? It used to be easier in the 70s. We could just share faith, walking right down the road. People got saved all over the place. Now we have to think a little bit differently. More People are more cynical now. They don't trust as much. We just show them we care. We care about them. We care about the community. We do care. We care about it from the perspective of what the Lord would care about it from. Our trips to Israel are kind of a funny uh, long-term investment. And I know, generally speaking, we have believers that go to Israel, but when we we go, so believers have a more of a proper understanding of what the Bible is saying, so they can come back and share. There's an equipping that goes on for sharing, and for our own lives too. I go for I go to Israel because I really like it. But I have shared with a lot of people, a lot of people about the Lord because of my experiences in Israel. I really have. The prophetic um, significance to Israel, the meanings with the Lord coming back to Israel. Israel isn't a country that just was, but it's going to be, right? If we, go, if we would hop in an airplane, all of us together, and say go visit uh, Japan, it would be a wonderful experience. And we would look at the cultural history of Japan and all the things that Japan did over the years we think, that's neat That's very cool. It's a wonderful experience in Japan. But Israel, we go to Israel, we look at the history and the things that happened, but then we could stop. And we could look at now what's going to happen in Israel. Because the Bible still talks about things that are going to happen there. So we bring those messages back. Our commitment to this community is based on the Word of God, and we'll operate through that. You know, these four criteria, that's all we need. That's all we need to go out there and have a good time. We've tried different things. For a while, we had a a game night that went on for for a season. It was an opportunity to bring unbelievers here. Just have a good time and just be around and, and have them realize that Christians aren't crazy. The world sometimes thinks Christians are crazy. I've had people say to me, I've never met a Christian before until you. I'm their only experience. Don't you feel bad for them? I mean, they don't know. They just don't know. They don't know, you know, it's funny if you if you ever if you want to do something fun, just ask some non-believers what they think sin is. They don't know. Easter's coming, Easter's next weekend. And you know, in churches, most churches think we have a lot of unsaved visitors that come on Easter. But I the world doesn't even know. People who don't know the Lord, they don't even know that you're supposed to go to church on Easter. The people who go to church on Easter are people who are connected to a denomination or backslidden believers. They knew. the world. There's no concept anymore. So we need things in the community to help our community. We saw the scripture. It's good to help our community. This is our neighborhood too. But we need to do it in a way that sets up understanding more accurately who the Lord is. It's not about being a skull basher. Not about pronouncing all the things that the community is doing wrong. They can sure tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. But it's about demonstrating in love in that, ex- that example of Acts 2, our community being so good, so dynamic, so uplifting, so encouraging, that we're actually a draw to the Lord. That's our community message, that the Lord is something good. We don't have to have all the answers, but we know the Lord does. Our job is just to point him that way and demonstrate it. So there you go. That's Grace Christian Fellowship in the community. To help those who can't help themselves in any way we can imagine. Through fellowship, through relationships, through the occasional giving of a buck, or things like toothbrushes or blankets. Whatever it is, that's what we do. It's very exciting. I have had a very good time watching doors that were previously closed to us open. I remember there was uh, the Deering Home Group. Every home group, by the way, also has community outreaches. I just took a shot at some of the broader ones today. The Deering Home Group wanted to do some uh, ministry at the VA. And the VA is a government agency, and they made it very clear that, you know, you can't talk about the Lord. And, in fact, in the in the beginning, they weren't going to let them in. Is that true, Deerings? They weren't going to let them in. Oh, I don't know about this. Oh, well, finally the VA said, okay, we'll let you in. You can come and talk to these folks in the The area. They just wanted to play cards with them and socialize with them and just be there to pray with them if necessary. Just do whatever. And the uh, uh, the VA was very reluctant. You know, they even when they gave the green light, they were still you know nervous. So the event finished, and then the VA started calling and saying, "Hey, we want you to come back." Yeah, it was really great. Can you come back and do it again? What time would work for you? Is that not the coolest? They're asking for the Lord to be brought back in. St. A's. The first time we went to St. A's, we had a, a tree, a giving tree. It was a holiday tree. And you could take an ornament off, and people here, everybody here brought in toys for that tree, and the, the kids in the orphanage portion. And uh, They met Judy outside the building. Thank you for your gifts. It's very nice. And they took the gifts, and they went inside, and Judy was outside, and that was it. The next year, we got the full tour. They met us at the door. We went inside, and they showed us this and that and this and that. And that's what opened the door for Pinewood Derbies and for other things. We had we brought pillows and we brought toiletries. They had no toiletries. These these orphans, these kids, they had nothing. But it started with a very hostile reception, and it turned into, well, we love you guys!" And this is what we like. This is kind of fun. I mean, come on, it's fun to watch people go. <laughs> Right, to watch people learn that, that we're not out to get them. We're out to support them in the name of the Lord. So if you would, please stand up. And we're going to pray. Judy? Or I'm sorry, Debbie? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. You want to grab the mic? The Spirit of the Lord says, you are all unique. What would a body accomplish if it were all feet? All of you are needed. Do not want or covet what another has. You do not know what trials and struggles they have had to overcome to have and be what they are. Be faithful with the little things that it may be multiplied. A gardener harvests a crop only after he has labored, labored over a cropless soil or a fruitless seeding seedling. Be faithful with what you have been given, You are unique and created by my hand, says the Lord. So, Father God, um, we're excited about being involved in the community. We're excited about knowing where you would have us go and what you would have us do, Lord. We know in your word, we understand this clear mandate about sharing you, that we might win some to you or save some or partake with some. We know, Lord, that we need to help those that can't do for themselves. Show us how to carry your message out with the people that, uh, and the and with the people that we have here, and the and the delivery vehicles that you show us, Lord. Show us how to do this, God. We really want to honor you. We want to see Milwaukee change. We want to see Milwaukee, a city that pursues you, Lord. So we pray for this. We pray for our involvement with this city, for a clear path on how to do this we pray for a for continued relationships with our politicians not just for them and their own souls Lord but for showing us how to come alongside and how to partner with them for the sake of the gospel Lord God we thank you for the vision in this house we thank you for the people in this house and we pray for just a, a, a greater walking in what you have before us Lord pray for blessings on everybody everybody here that's a member and everybody here that's visiting Now that we see you and we see that path that you have for us We thank you for calling us out of darkness, Lord. Thank you very much for the work here. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.